0: Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Thank you for leading us. Yeah, God's so amazing, isn't he? Uh, the, the I got it right there. The, um, every one of the songs we sang today was just an affirmation of God's word that we have from him today, and it was just uh, pretty awesome. I want you to know that uh, when I said, um, without my screen, we might be here a long time today, they were working feverishly, and that thing hadn't worked until my, right now. <laughs> You just got to give them the right inspiration, man, you know? <laughs> I love them. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. Remind me uh, later about that. <laughs> We're not a perfect church. We're not a perfect people. We are here because we know we need God's help, and he's provided that help through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's a statement that we have owned for many years, and God has said, extend this invitation to everyone. You can't, you can't fix yourself up for God. You can't. He knows who you are. He knows where you've been. He knows what's happening in your life and what's happened in your life. He loves you. And we come to him because he's God. And he wants to change us and make us new. We have this incredible opportunity, church, to enter into this amazing relationship with the creator of the universe. And he wants to talk to us about that today. I'm super excited about this. God is so good. Father, we love you. God, as we worship you today, just every one of the songs, there's a message for us. Our is in you. You are God. You make a way when there seems to be no way. No matter how I feel, no matter what's going on, God, you're always God. And right now, Lord, we just submit to you. Lord, we surrender. We ask you now to just completely have your way, God. In every way, in the name of our Savior Jesus, we pray this, amen. Yeah, we're going to read a section of scripture from Isaiah the prophet in chapter 40. If you know anything about the book of Isaiah, you'll know that there's a uh, the coming judgment that God pronounced against his people. And the, the prophets of old were the preachers of today, just so you understand, like the there was a different office. If you remember, God gave that office to Moses and said he would bring forth other prophets. And they would, the actual meaning of the word prophet, prophet in the, in the um, place is an oracle or a, a speaker for God. And so many, not all pastors are, have the prophetic office today, but it is that, is to speak God's word. And so as we speak God's word today, it is different than the prophets of old. And the difference is that we have the Holy Spirit within us now versus those guys and all those people and the old ladies and men alike. The Holy Spirit came over them. He now lives within us. It's an amazing thing. Now you have that same Holy Spirit that I do. And that's incredible that God would do that for us. All right. So now as we look back, God had pronounced judgment upon Israel and Judah because they kept... They were in and out of relationship with him throughout their history. And in this section, everything changes going forward in the book of Isaiah and the message that God gave. And the the tune of the message turns to the redemptive God that we serve. And in chapter 40 is the opening of that. As we look at these verses, they're verses 12 through 31, I think. That's going off the top of my head. So, um... We start in verse 12. There's no question what we're doing here. There's five distinct messages in this message, points in the message. I have more than five, so don't think we're done when I say the five, okay? So I know how it is when you have points. Like that's a problem with people that preach three-point sermons with an intro and a conclusion because as soon as you get to point three, people are like, where am I going to lunch today? And no. <laughs> So I'm not giving you any hints about where we're ending. It won't be real long, so let's do this. And probably because I said lunch, you're already probably freaking out. But it'll be brunch, not lunch. All right. Five distinct sections of this message from God. And we're going to stop in each one and just say what they are as we go. So first section of this message is opening with nothing more and nothing less than God of creation. So you see, when in this message, God speaks to the prophet, he's giving us a beginning point of us understanding who he is. And then he's going to take us on his journey of amazingness and the greatness of our God. In verse number 12, it says this. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? God's establishing something for us. He is speaking through the prophet and saying, look, there's no one but me, God. God is saying there is no one. I made it all. I know it all. I'm the only one that knows it all because I'm the one that put it all together. God is setting a standard for us saying, I am the God of creation. I want you to know the greatness of the God you serve. Point number two, the greatness of God in His all-knowing. The theological word for that is omniscience. God is the only all-knowing one. The devil doesn't know everything. So stop giving him credit. He doesn't know what God knows. He wants you to think He does. God, the greatness of His all-knowingness. Verse 13. Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give Him advice or teach Him? Some of us maybe should underline that and highlight it. Because sometimes in our prayers, we're giving God advice, direction, and telling Him how He needs to operate in His omniscience. It's telling us right here who's able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Do we really think we're smart enough to give God a clue on what He's supposed to do? He's telling His people, look, I am God, I've established something, I made it all. Now he's telling him, I know it all. Here you go. Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? See, he is justice. He is wisdom. He is all-knowing. This is the greatness of our God. The third section of the message is this. The greatness of God in comparison with the insignificance of all that exists. So God is going to say something to us here saying, now look, look at me versus stuff. Here you go. No. All the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing. Mere emptiness and froth. Notice he didn't say people are worth nothing. He's saying nations. See, we put our focus on who we are based on where we live and the powers of the nations in which we serve. God says, they're nothing to me. Hmm. Maybe we should have read this before the election. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. God's letting us know something here. This... None of this means anything to him. He's greater than all of it. The next section, God is greater and he cannot be duplicated in anything that is made by human hands or otherwise. This is what he says in verse 18. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. So God's like, you know, you people are, are looking for something to worship to the point where even you'll create things to say it's your God. How stupid are people? Sorry for using that word, but how stupid are people (laughs) that we would create something and say it's God that we would pray to a statue or an image he's like is there anything that can compare to me and seriously you're going to compare me to that this is God talking you really really want to pray to that okay okay Nothing that is made can be compared to him. The next one in the final section of this message from God to his people the in- incomparable greatness of God as who you need and who you can rely on. Here it is. This is some great stuff. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. Remember, God spoke this before anyone even thought about the earth being round. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. When he blows on them, they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Isn't that awesome? And you ever look up there? I love where we live in Tucson where you can see the sky and you see all those stars and the further you look, there's more stars. And God's word says that He, he has a name for every one of them. <laughs> he brings them out like an army one after another, calling them by its name because of His great power and His incomparable strengths. Not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. Is that amazing or what? God establishes something for us. Man, I am the one who did it all. I know it all. I can do it all. There's nothing like me. And when you trust me, I will take care of you. I will give you what you need when you need it. Church, there is no one like our God. There is no God but our God. This is the God we serve. This is the God we worship. He is the one who spoke this word through the prophet of old, telling us this is who I am. I am. God said, I am. He exists. He is real. God's judgment fell upon his people because they continually walked away from who he was and who he is. They ignored what he said about them and to them. They did not follow his teachings and his ways. They added to his teachings the things they wanted to add to it. Or they just simply ignored him. Denying his existence and only claiming him by name. All throughout their history, Israel and Judah gave a lot of lip service with very little life application. So this message through Isaiah the prophet from God, telling the people, you need to understand who I am. So at this point right here was a crisis moment in the history of their nation and their lives. This moment was the day of God's judgment. Do you understand that? Like what we're reading about and hearing this message was a time of utter despair in God's judgment that was falling. And God is saying, do you know who I am? Do you know you can rely upon me? Do you trust me? Will you allow me to be your strength? You need to know who I am. See, church, in so many ways, I, I just want to say this the right way. I don't want you to be offended or hurt by anything. I'm not, I, I feel this in my heart and soul as God's speaking this word. It's like we, even in the church, have lost the reality of who He is. Right. He's not the big guy upstairs. You know? He's God. He's not someone we keep on our favorites list on the phone for when we need him to fix a problem in our life. He's not that. Yes, he'll help us in our time of need. Don't misunderstand me. But you see, we've, we've just kind of like put God as this being out there, even in the church, where we come and worship our God on Sundays. But there's something about my relationship with him that I just kind of wing it. And God's something so much more than that. The church has lost their awe of him and it comes to the point where people aren't afraid to say anything about him or to him. He's telling us right here in his word, like, do you realize who I am? And I'm like, God, I want to know who you are. I don't want to offend you in any way. I don't want to offend any of you with him in any way. God is saying something to us. I am here for you. But I want you to understand who I am. See, God is the amazing creator of everything. He is the God of the universe. Both the known and the unknown. I laugh when I see things like in, you know, like when you see the headlines that the the scientists discovered some new creature in the ocean. Or we discovered Pluto's not a planet, you know, or we find this other galaxy or something and we're all excited Like we've found something and we're we don't even know what's in the ocean, man Seriously, is that crazy? We don't even know all of the creation of god Right here and we think we're so smart And they have a purpose God doesn't say oh, I think i'm gonna drop something down there in the dark. There's a reason they exist exist Not only because he thinks they're awesome, which he does, and he thinks they're good because he made them, but they have a purpose that is beyond our understanding. The same thing as the universe above us. It's this incredible vastness of God. And when he says to us, like, I I name them, I know them. It's like, can anyone understand that? No, we can't. We really can't. So I'm not like, hey, everybody, let's get a new grasp of God. What we need to see is we need a a new grasp of how much we don't understand of God so that we appreciate what we do understand of God. (laughs) He's amazing. See, God knows the unknown. (laughs) There's going to be new discoveries. There's going to be new things. And God's like smiling like, yeah, I made that. I did that. And we're all trying to figure out how it got there. <laughs> I think I used that stupid word a little earlier, but I won't use it again, you know? It's like, seriously, we're going to just figure this all out ourselves. And it's like, it's so crazy how these things just happen. You know, my my horse is going to have a baby here soon, so I got I, to... Yeah, super excited. It's the uh, first one we'll deliver on our property. I'm very excited about it. But I got to tell you this, because as I, I've never... You know delivered if I was there to, for my three sons to be born standing in the background But i'm gonna be hands-on with this one, you know And uh, i'm only telling you this because it is the most incredible thing Like when you just look at an animal and see all the stuff that god did and I mean How anybody can look at creation and not acknowledge god There, that A capital s on that word. I just said a minute ago, right? <laughs> this little foal lays on its back in its mother's womb as it's developing And just before it's born, amazingly, it turns like this, puts its feet like this, one in front of the other so that the shoulders drop, puts its nose right between its legs so when it comes out, it can breathe air. Isn't God amazing? The fact that their feet are like this so that the shoulders drop so it fits out through mama. And it's like, oh, it just knows to roll over. You know, thank God for evolution, man. I'm so glad they planted that little seed in there along the journey. And I guarantee you, she is. I mean, you know. Come on, man. Seriously, as I look at... Sorry, I wasn't supposed to say come on, man, again. Um, So as we look at this creation of God, and I'm like, that's one little element. Just like one little thing. And it's like, God, you master everything those little galaxies that are out there that we think are so vast and amazing. I just, God's like, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) There goes Joe and Steve and Pete, (laughs) Sue and Debbie and I mean, and now I'm going to stand here and say, you need to do something for me. (laughs) Really? Seriously, church, seriously. I'm seeing like, We've abused God's grace and love for us by coming to him and like demanding that this creator of the universe begins to act on our behalf because I need something now. (laughs) See, he is majestic. We don't even have the right words here. In our English language, we cannot say the words that we need to say about God but we're going to give you a few of them. He is majestic. He is all-powerful. He can choose to allow life to continue or He can end it. He can stop time. He is truth. He is just. He is righteous. He is merciful. He is faithful. He is changeless. He is eternal. He is grace. He is love. He is holy. Friends, This is who He is. That majestic, indescribable God wants you also to know that He is very personal. Walk out in my driveway, and I'm like, God, why do you even care that I exist? So unworthy. We are so unworthy of this incredible God who not only loved us, but loves us. He pursued me. He, church, do you grasp that? That creator pursued Dave. Hey boy, come here. Nope. (laughs) Come here. No. I don't want you now. Dave, come here. God, later... I want to do some stuff first. I know you are, but I don't want to serve you right now. And he's like, Dave, come here. (laughs) Do you know how many times I told him no? Knowing who he is. Knowing that he laid his life down for me. And that He was pursuing me. And the Holy Spirit was drawing on my heart and bringing that conviction that is indescribable. You know what it is when God's calling you. And the fact that I and this little tiny person would say, nope. <laughs> and God would let me say no. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> See, after all that no, he didn't stop calling. He didn't stop pursuing. See, the enemy wants you to think that God's not calling you. He doesn't care about your situations and your issues in your life. Do you see what he just told us in that prophetic word from Isaiah? I know. I know. I'm here. I'm here for you. And if you'll wait on me, I'll give you what you need when you need it. So as I look at this personal God, there's this incredible scripture that we'll read in Galatians 4. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it is with us before we came to Christ. (laughs) We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. Isn't that awesome. See that spirit. It says prompts us to call out, "Abba, Father." That spirit that God has placed in us gives us this understanding that I have a Father, that I am part of a family. Not the dysfunctional one I was born into. Not the screwed up one that has messed my life up. I am now in the family of God, the creator of the universe. Everything that is functional. And there I find my identity. There I'm given my real name, my real purpose, my meaning for existence. God says, I have purchased you myself. I'm adopting you into my family. You're no longer of this world. You're now mine now look church he's not finished right there this is now you are no longer a slave but God's own child and since you are his child God has made you his heir what? God has made us his heir his godness oh my goodness man we are given this amazing real life illustration of seeing like you were nothing before and you had no rights because of what God did for you. He loved you so much that He laid down His deity. And you know what's awesome about that word right there? It says He came born of a woman. It's really important for us to see that, guys. Because you see, He was not born of any human male. He was given perfection by God in the second creation of humanity through a woman that was a virgin. Because you see, he had to come as a perfect sinless man to live a perfect sinless life to pay the price for your sins and mine. Had to happen. There was no other way for you and I. And this awesome God. Isn't it like, it's so crazy. There are seminaries and seminaries are places that teach preachers, right? You You may not know that and you just need to pray for them because seriously, there are seminaries who are training pastors and preachers for the church who deny the virgin birth. Listen, this is God speaking through Isaiah. Really? (laughs) You think that's like too hard for me to do? Do you think it's too much for God who has named all the stars of the galaxy, who has created all things to become a human being in the womb of a woman that is a virgin. Really. Listen, God loved us so much that He laid down His deity to become one born of a woman in order that you and I might have the opportunity to be adopted into His family. You know, the incredible part of this is it's not just that he's adopted us into the family of God. See, it's a little bit different than the adoption of human beings. Because you notice in the scripture it says, God gave us the spirit of his son. See, we're not like, like from another family anymore. God has given us his own DNA, his godness now lives in us. We actually have the DNA of God that we were created in the beginning to have because His Spirit lives inside of us. So we're not just adopted by a, a legal title. We're actually right in the family of God as heirs and children of God for we have God within us. The Holy Spirit Himself. We are now part of God's family. <sighs> wow. Wow. So humbly now, I mean this in a good way, you guys. We need to humbly begin to live and act like we really are heirs of God. See, that gives us authority. That gives us a name. That gives us a position. That gives us power. Do you understand? See, we're not that old person who was nothing and nobody. We now are of God. We have been given things that we could not get any other way. Not only do we possess the Spirit of God, but the power of God is now available to us, in us, and through us. We're not living like the heirs of God like we need to in the church this modern era. We have the authority of God given to us. We're no longer slaves in this world. Church, we're free. The sin that used to own us has been put to death, and we've been given new life in Christ. He is so amazing. The people that used to oppress us, they're no longer our oppressors. See, as we look at that God of the Bible, that's the God that we serve. That's the God who lives within us. And so He's introducing Himself to us in a new way for us to understand and get a little grasp of Him and who He is. We need to start living in the freedom that he bought for us. You know? Romans 8. Another time we're going to use these same words. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. See, the Holy Spirit is the realization and the affirmation of being part of God's family. It's something God himself does. It says, you're mine. (laughs) See, I can't tell him I'm yours. He has to tell me, you're mine. So when I come to him, the Holy Spirit affirms, you're mine. You are now part of my family. (laughs) See, now when God invites us Into that adoptive relationship where he puts his DNA, the Holy Spirit within us, and we become part of the family of God, church. He doesn't bring us into the family so we can live like we used to live, because remember, he says, we were slaves. We're no longer slaves. Sin doesn't own us anymore, it does not own us anymore. So we have to learn how to live as an heir instead of a slave. And this is where we get all complicated because we were slaves so long. that It's the only life we knew. If you remember, Israel had the same problem in the wilderness. They kept looking back on their old life instead of looking forward to the unknown new, trusting God to lead. And so with us, oftentimes we look back at our old slave life because it was normal to us for however long we've been there, We often have this yearning to go back to the comfort of the known, even when the known is so messed up. God is saying, look, I have a new life for you and new things available to you. And guess what? You're not going to know it all. You're going to trust me because I will lead you into this new life. 2 Corinthians 5. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Amen. Yeah, that old life. We're dead to it. He died for everyone, so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. (laughs) This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. There's that that DNA, that Holy Spirit, that brand new start. Isn't that awesome? The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making us appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. (laughs) See, there's this, uh, just that humbleness. It's like, oh God, really? Me? (laughs) as heirs of God, and the family of God, we're given this incredible opportunity, and we're given the